Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning, you're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR with Jack, Sam and Alana in the studio. How are we everyone? Well, hello Jack, welcome back. It's been a while. It has. Refreshing myself. Yes. You feel fresh? Sleeping straight in. You look fresh? Yeah, I look very fresh. (laughs) Just for all the listeners, very fresh. Very fresh. Yeah, no. We need a webcam in here. Maybe, yeah. Video (laughs) content. Yes. How was your break? Your break? Good? Yeah, good. It, It went really quickly. Yes, yeah. always does, doesn't it? Yeah, when what you time speeding up, time speeding up. How are you, Alana? Yeah, I'm good. I had a good break. Nice. Got along to some really lush national parks and mm-hmm. just soaked in nature and the sunshine when it was there. Yes. Hasn't been that much sunshine, really, has there? Uh, drips and drabs. Drips and drabs. Better than before. It is nicer to <laughs> be in the... Before what? In know, the dark well, ages? That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll start today by acknowledging that we are on stolen Wurundjeri land on a week that is um, a week that parts of so-called Australia are celebrating um, when they shouldn't be just want to pay our respects to all First Nations people that may be listening in today Um, and that discussion is probably going to lead us into the majority of the discussion for today between Mm. us three Um, and I suppose as somebody I, I come from got a strange conflict with this, obviously with my accent, and <laughs> I guess that being in this country, it's not something naturally that gets taught very much um, mm. in Britain, and it's something that is a lot of self-education on my part, and then talking with people in the community, and um, yeah, I'm just kind of feel humbled and excited to have this chat with you guys today. Oh, I never really thought about that. What? What do they teach you about Australia in England? They do teach... They talk about the convict element of it. um, But really, like all things colonial Britain, we tend to pick and choose. So Mm. in history, in high school, it's obligatory. They will talk about World War II a lot because, Mm. you know, one of the few times where you're actually the good guy. But we, there's a lot of... um, selective history Mm. in britain essentially propaganda um and yeah it doesn't really extend to what's perpetrated here my family have come here since probably about three years ago and we went to the indigenous center out near geelong Uh if you head down the highway there and to see how it because obviously my introduction was long Mm. they're here for three weeks and to see how they were affected by the story because it tells a whole story and it has a lot of events, especially from Victorian First Nations peoples. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of the occasions that occurred and just seeing how it affected them, I suppose is a good example of maybe how little it's taught because they were born Mm -hmm. in the 60s, which is when 
Australia was still a, considered a bit of a crown in the jewel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know very, what I mean? Still very English, yeah. culturally connected. Yeah, yeah, and to be honest, it's, it gets very little airtime. Um, and maybe the monarchy this year has brought a bit of that up, but just with general colonialism of Britain and what the monarchs represent. But yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't really have the um, exposure that I think it should. Yeah. I would say that my experience in high school was quite similar. Same. That it actually isn't embedded into our historical education at all. And what we do learn is very, um, yeah, quite, you know, the, the... the cherry on top of the entire cake that's probably a bad analogy to use but you're just skimming the surface and mm. um yeah there's a real focus on white history settler settler kind of yeah russian yeah. revolution <laughs> things that are just not relevant but i feel that it's actually yeah becoming quite um progressive mm. in terms of introducing uh truth telling now and i think that's building in our education system and it's actually something that kids are becoming more interested in in as well and they're having these discussions outside of institutionalized um, education systems as well and i think that's really really important and a incredible sign of progression yeah agree yeah absolutely i mean my kids are my youngest has just finished year 12 um and really there's probably a little bit more sort of informal teaching around invasion, occupation, uh, what happened before settlers, you know, did the whole Henry Lawson thing. Mm. Um, Excuse me. But I still think that, yeah, in terms of what even they've learnt as people just coming out of school, definitely doesn't talk about um, the massacres, the frontier Mm. wars Mm. in any real way. Although, it, it, you know, definitely my, my daughter as the youngest knew about the Frontier Wars, not just from me, but it does come up in conversation now, which, you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, that was not the case. Uh, and I, th- I think that we have to acknowledge that that is not some, you know, miraculously progressive government that has brought that to the surface. This is the long history of struggle of Indigenous First Mm. Nations people in this country that have never given up and have continued to speak, you know, fight um, and struggle for for rights and and to be heard and for the truth of this country to be heard. Um, So I think the Invasion Day even sitting here on on radio talking about Invasion Day instead of Australia Day. Mm. Uh, Ten years ago, that was not a thing. And, you know, we really have to credit um, the young First Nations activists and those that came before in the struggle uh, for working tirelessly to bring that to attention uh, and to create the kind of conditions where non-Indigenous people in solidarity and as allies and accomplices uh, could stand with First Nations people to say, yes, this is Invasion Day. It's not this weird, propagandized Australia Day commercialised thing that, you know, really only started uh, as a marketing ploy. Uh, it, you know, the date is not set in stone. Uh, yeah. But someone deliberately chose that date, of course, yeah. you know. Uh, so you have to ask yourself why that date was chosen in the first place, mm-hmm. other than to erase what came before, which is the history of domination and colonisation 
uh, not even just in um, stealing other people's land and resources, but uh, within our own patriarchal culture and building over the top with religious institutions. You know, it just goes back and back hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, but now we're here today and there is a mass movement gaining momentum and uh, I think we have to say a big congratulations to war and to all the Indigenous and First Nations leaders that have led the struggle to get it to the point where Australia Day Parade has been cancelled in Victoria. Suck on that, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I was reading an article from SBS and it was just breaking down the statistics and I thought it was incredible just how much it's plummeted over the Mm. years. Yeah, tell us some of the... (laughs) Give us those facts and figures. Yeah, I love the facts and <laughs> figures. Um, so, yeah, in 2018, the city saw 72,000 people attend the celebrations and the number plummeted from 12,000 to 7,000 from 2019 to 2020. Imagine how sad that would be, shutting down the whole main street for 7,000 people to parade Yes, on this very, you know, So wait, this is before day. the pandemic and lockdown fully hit as well. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2018, that was the year before we got thrown into the lockdowns and there were 72,000 people. And then 2019, no, 2020 was lockdown. So, yeah, so those numbers have happened before the pandemic has hit. So can't blame it on the pandemic. Especially when six months into the pandemic, you had the Black Lives Matter match through there and that would have been... Oh, that was huge. Huge. I was there. There was a lot of people there. And that was against the orders of the government to arrive, which is, I suppose, an interesting contrast to put on it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I've been showing up and going to Invasion Day uh, rallies since... 2012, 2013, when they first were in their infancy uh, and sort of as a a, a First Nation-led resistance to the Australia Day Parade. And I really think that, you know, if you think about where the numbers got to by 2018 in terms of attendance at Invasion Day Mm. uh, rallies, which was, you know, well over 50,000 people, Uh, In those very early rallies, there was like a hundred of us, you know, there was not a lot of people. And so if you look at how quickly that movement has built and spread across the entire country, Mm. uh, it's quite extraordinary. And yeah, just, you know, clearly showing where the uh, people in our society want to put the value and, and where we put our support and... I mean, honestly, what even was the Australia Day Parade? I, I've never I've been. I've never been. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never been either. Kind of sounds like Moomba, but without the floats, just people walking with flags and I don't know. It was weird. The only the only part of the Australia Day Parade I have ever seen has been marching with First Nations people and breaking through police barricades to follow the parade and um, and show the people that were lining the streets that there was another part of what was going on that day. Mm. I also think that Invasion Day uh, and the acceptance of that into the mainstream discourse, so mainstream media talking about Invasion Day where – you know, five years ago, that it was like Australia Day. Should we change the date? Now it's like Invasion Day protests, rallies, etc. Mm. Uh, I think it's also a really important inroad into acknowledging um, 
not just invasion, but occupation and ongoing war. So for me, you know, the other part that we really need to acknowledge is the frontier wars and, and the kind of violence and, um, yeah, just cruelty that took place in, in the occupation in this country and the way that that is ongoing in, you know, um, youth detention, black deaths in custody. We could go on and on. We know what the issues are. Um, and it is still something that successive governments have been resistant to acknowledging that the frontier wars happened uh, and that people on both sides um, died. Like, I'm sure lots of soldiers also died, knowing near as many as the civilian First Nations people that they massacred around the country. Mm. Uh, but we don't acknowledge that as part of our history. And I think if we're, if we're going to say we acknowledge invasion, then we need to acknowledge the wars that took place mm. and, and, uh, and then, you know, recompense and, and, uh, reparations are super important for, for what happens in any war. And in this country, the war is ongoing. It's never ended. Um, <clears throat> hence, uh, warriors of Aboriginal resistance theme for this year is treaty before voice. Uh, which is please acknowledge our sovereignty and treaty before we decide what the voice looks like. Uh, and that's on the posters they've been putting up around town. I don't know if you've all seen those. Yes, I have. Mm. Yeah. So I think it's really important that if you support Invasion Day and First Nations people, when it comes to Anzac Day, you need to be out there also uh, amplifying the voice of the frontier wars. And we need the government to acknowledge that in the, in, in the canon of our history mm. uh, so that we can get to the point of telling the truth about what happened in Australia upon yeah. invasion. Yeah. I think we also need to tear down some statues. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so <laughs> precious about... Do you remember when the, the whole statue thing was going on? Through the Black Lives Matter stuff in the states and yeah. and here in Australia, cops just started surrounding statues, statues yeah. protecting them. Yeah, it's pretty absurd. Yeah, it is just a a symbol of colonialism when mm-hmm. you go to these you know small country towns where these huge massacres have happened, and mm. there's you know the the colonial uh, symbol of power yeah. standing there in the center of town. Yeah, and there's that uh, if you've ever been up north. Around Cairns, there's that massive uh, Captain Cook statue. <laughs> I don't know if you've been through Cairns. Oh. It's like this major roundabout, you know, in a small town. And it's this always just, in the roundabout. Yeah, and there's just this giant <laughs> statue just begging to be taken apart, <laughs> just asking for it, in my opinion. Um, yeah, but I'm sure it would be considered a very serious crime under colonial rule. But, yeah. Anyway, here we are. We Invasion Day is on Thursday. Uh, Friends of the Earth has put up a list of events uh, happening all around Australia, so so-called Australia. If you are looking for where uh, something is going on and you're listening to this outside of Victoria, jump on our website. Uh, if you're here in Victoria, of course, the main event is where it always is, starting off in the city and probably going for a march. Yeah, meeting at Parliament House at 11am. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in helping out with marshalling on the day, they're looking for people to volunteer so you can get in touch mm-hmm. via our Facebook page as well to shoot through a message and say you're keen to volunteer because I'd love some people to yeah, guide the rally and just mm-hmm. minimise the police intervention on the day to keep everybody safe. Yes. I'm, I also think there is a Kings Domain uh, dawn 
ceremony taking place. If anyone is a super early bird, uh, you can head down there for a very early morning ceremony. Yeah, there's so many great events taking place over Mm -hmm. the day and over the week. So much uh, art and celebration. And there's a few, yeah, good pages you can follow, like Seed Mob and obviously Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance, um, the Vic Aboriginal Legal Service as well. They're actually having an Invasion Day webinar today at 12.45pm, which you can register through their Instagram page. Mm-hmm. I've also spoke to somebody who um, they are going to struggle to get anywhere, but they wanted to show solidarity. And they said that they're going to spend what they can in the day because they're working, educating themselves, which I thought was mm. quite a good use of your time. Yeah. Um, especially with what you were talking with the... So I was just going to put that one out there because I heard that and thought that was the best thing I've yeah, heard in a little yeah, while. Yeah. Just use it as a day of education as well, um, as a sign of respect. Yes, and if you really uh, haven't sort of looked into what the First Nations, uh, I guess, activist movement struggle has been, human rights struggle has been, uh, Gary Foley also has a website, uh, historian, academic, activist, part of the original setup of the 10 Embassy, uh, in Canberra, go check out some of his writings uh, on his website. Uh, you'll be able to find him if you Google him or go to his Facebook page and go from there. Uh, m- amazing history of, of struggle, yeah. We're going to take a break and we'll be back soon, hopefully, with Cam Walker. They tell us what to do And then they push us around And then they have to go Join 3CR from 9am to 4pm on Thursday the 26th of January for our annual Invasion Day broadcast. 3CR's First Nation presenters will be broadcasting live from the Stop the War Treaty Before Voice rally and march in Melbourne. We'll be bringing you black and deadly music, news and views from activists across the continent with grassroots politics that you won't find anywhere else. As we discuss genocide, sovereignty, treaty, pay the rent, death in custody, truth and justice, and the law of the land. So keep tuned to 3CR on Thursday, the 26th of January, 2023. Melbourne, I found a food not bombs fly on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favorite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at food not bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR with Jack, Sam and Alana. We're just going to bring Cam Walker in. Hey Cam, are you there? 
think you need to take him off hold oh, first. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Hello, <am> Cam. <laughs> are you there? Hello. Yes, I am. <laughs> there <we go>. Welcome, <laughs> Cam Walker. Uh, Alana, would you like to kick us off in our little chat with Cam? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Cam. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thank you. That's good. So I thought we could just have a little chat about our weekend up at the Dargo High Plains on Gunai Kurnai Country with some of the local community and faux folks that came up. Yes, that sounds great. Um, it's one of the hotspots we've been concentrating on up in the high country. There's a lot of logging planned all over the place, as we all know, but the little Dargo is a very special place that we're being focused on. So it was great to get back up there. Yeah, it was a really beautiful place. So many gorgeous wildflowers in bloom and really interesting history up there. Yeah, it is. And we're working with a mountain cattle family um, called the Treasures uh, who hosted us on their land up there. They've been grazing cattle up there, I think it's for five generations. And they're, you know, not necessarily our normal allies, but so places a lot of emphasis on working with different people. So, you know, we won the ban on fracking through working with regional and farming communities, and this is a, a different but a new alliance, and it's, it's proved to be very effective, I think. I think that when people get together across political differences and build power together um, based on mutual respect, then it can be very, very powerful politically as well. So it was great to be up there with the treasures. It was great to see their place. It was great to see the snow gum woodlands up there and the flowers, as you mentioned, and it was really good to take a big group of people down to visit the Little Dargo River um, at, at a place called Fred Flat. Um, there's been really hardly anyone going since about 1910. There used to be mining there and there used to be a, a number of tracks through the area and we've reopened one of them and it was really great to get a bunch of people down to the flat through the forest and able to see the river and how beautiful it is. Mm, it was such a special little river once you got down that massive, massive hill. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, all the alpine ash was really special. And it's my understanding that it didn't burn in the 2019 bushfires either, so it's kind of this, like, refuge pocket. Yes, and, and that's a bit of a, you know, a, a, just a, a, a fluke, really. The way that area is, it's got a plateau on one side where the fires tend to come from on the west side. So as the fires burn across the plain, they kind of slow down. Fires go faster going up the hill. And then there's a really steep slope down into this V-shaped valley. So when fires get in there, it tends to kind of, you know, trickle through rather than rage through. And so what that means is on one side, you've got these amazing mountain gum forests um, that start on the mid-slope and go right down into the river bottom. And then you've got manigums, and then you go up the other side into the alpine ash. And these are really big, old, well-spaced trees. They actually won't be great for timber, most of them, which is, you know, adding injustice to, you know, the outrage of them wanting to log it anyway. A lot of what they cut will probably end up as very low-grade product, maybe even pulp that would be used for paper. So they'd be trashing this amazing, pristine, lightly burnt, unroaded, magnificent area for really low-value products. So that kind of makes it even more outrageous than just the prospect of logging it outright. I mean, why? 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 What's the like? Sorry, my brain is just exploding. 
I, please, Cam, explain to us why bother logging this area then? What, what, why, why would they, you know, go to this place that is clearly not that easy to get to and, and decide that this is an area where you're just going to chop down? It's because what they do, you know, there's really no sensible reason for it. Ostensibly, it's around employment and paper and timber, but we know that most of the timber produced in Victoria comes from plantations now anyway. I think that's close to 80%. Mm. Uh, we know that we can produce paper from, you know, agricultural waste, from the gas, from, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things. If someone came from outer space and, and looked at Earth and looked at these forests uh, in this instance, you know, a couple of hundred years old, some of those trees, and heard that we were intending to cut it down with single-use paper, they would think we were mad. And it is quite an insane process, but it's just the business as usual that we've had for many decades here in Victoria. The time for that is almost over, and mm. it is on the way out, and we do have a commitment to end native forest logging, but it's just insane that with everything we know about climate change, with everything we know about biodiversity, with so much damage from all the decades of fires in the last 20 years that we're still even considering cutting these areas down is nothing short of outrageous. Yeah, it just sounds like madness and uh, an exercise in what trying to keep people employed in an industry that is about to end and transition anyway. Mm. Yes. And we're paying for the privilege of doing that. I think last year, Big Forest, which is the state government agency, lost more than $50 million. So the taxpayer footed the bill for $50 million. So we're paying to destroy our forests and keep people in that employment. What we need is a funded transition. But imagine what you could do with $50 million bucks a mm-hmm. year rather than putting it into logging. Put it into same-sector jobs. Put it into plantation management and fire management. Firefighting and all these things, it needn't be a loss to people, but we need to get on the front foot and we need a funded transition for these workers, just as is happening uh, with the coal industry. You know, that's an industry on you're in the process of transition. We need to look after people, workers, and their communities. That's only reasonable because they've provided us with products for a very long time, be it electricity or timber or paper. But mm-hmm. that time is now over and we need a new industry, which is already underway. We need to look after those people as they go through transition. Absolutely, Cam. So what can our listeners do to support in saving the little Dargo? Um, there's three things. Have a look. Uh, just do a web search, Friends the Earth Little Dargo Logging, and you'll find a bunch of information easily. Um, please uh, sign our petition to the new Environment Minister, who is called Ingrid Stitt, um, and urge her to bring forward the timeline for ending native forest logging. It needs to happen now, not at the end of the decade. And please join us on the first day of Parliament, which is February the 7th, which is a Tuesday at 10am, and come along and remind all the new politicians and all the politicians that are returning to the job that the community wants to see a rapid end to native forest logging. So that's Tuesday the 7th of February at 10am outside Parliament in Spring Street, Melbourne. Great. Can't wait to see you there, Cam, and all the... Awesome forest defenders out on the streets calling for a rapid transition. Yeah, let's let's end it this year. I'd like let's just yep. end it this year. <laughs> let's just stop the madness. Please. Well, we've got a new minister and we've got a government that got back in, you know, like has four years to do really great stuff if they choose to to show leadership. So let's encourage them to show leadership on this one 
finish the forest wars, just get it done, and we can move on to all the other things in the nature space that we need to be worrying about. So next couple of months are really important. Please do anything you can uh, to put pressure on the minister to encourage her to do the right thing and let them native forest logging now and let's get on with that transition and let's get people into good new jobs. Thanks very much, Cam. We're uh, about out of time, but that was good information on the Dago, which from photos looks very beautiful. So, you know, all forests should be protected, but especially the beautiful ones. Protect all the forests now. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Cam. See you soon. Thanks, Cam. Ciao. You're on Dirt Radio, and we are about out of time. I think that I just want to ask Alana one question. Can can we can we finish the native vlogging stuff this year? I believe that we can. I feel like there's a really big momentum and push mm. um, and all the stars are aligning with all the pressure that's been built mm. throughout the grassroots movement, all the hard work of, uh, you know, the court cases and mm. the surveying and the blockading. Mm-hmm. Um, just the dissent is so real mm. and in the last state election we really made forests a key election issue uh, through all the work of the Victorian Forest Alliance and the work of the Alliance is just incredible mm. and it's a very big issue that cannot be ignored and really Ingrid is inheriting a poison chalice here and yes. she needs to not drink from it. So, <laughs> Yes, Ingrid, if you're listening, stop drinking from the poison, poison chalice. chalice. Please yourself. stop. <laughs> protect yourself, protect the forest. It's the only way forward. <laughs> uh, you've been on Dirt Radio. We are seriously just about out of time, Jack. Yeah, pretty much. Got about 30 seconds, but it's been great seeing you. It's yes. good to be back. Yeah. Have Yay. a good rest of your week. See you next week. Bye.